Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc this podcast is a member of the voices of wrestling podcasting network visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews columns opinions and updates across the world of wrestling Hey, kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling, too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins with a regular Chris Nomembrio. Yeah, that's you're getting travel edition Jeffrey Hawkins, people. But I, yeah. the anchor of this show, the Lou Gehrig, or uh, the Cal Ripken. Um, I, either way, uh, baseball metaphors, I'm here as per usual. Diligent Jeff traveling where are you this week jeffrey i am in snobsdale arizona um snobsdale my my old stomping stamping grounds as it were so i apologize for any difference in audio but uh, i had forgotten my power cord to my computer even though i brought my setup with me and i'm just like "Eh, it's gonna be that kind of day so i have plugged in the mic to the parents computer it appears to be working. Uh, Chris has had five bowel movements in the last day. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was that was that was more of a Friday thing. Uh, oh. But yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, point is, people, I am I'm feeling great. Uh, let me tell you, Fiverr is fantastic, and uh, I'm glad that we got that. I was saying that Jeff and I need to start talking about some real stuff <laughs> off air, and I just think it's fantastic that we took that, brought it to the table to all of you we, people. We, if you aren't getting no no hold, hold on jeffrey hold on hold on people you aren't getting enough fiber in your diet i want you to take the novi challenge this january let's do it two salads a week people two salads a week see no transform your life transform your life two salads a week come on novi challenge chicken salad taco salad jello salad those don't gotta make sure you got you know like real lettuce in there don't don't do that iceberg you know you need you need roughage we you know we're looking for some romaine people the old chinese proverb said may you live in interesting times and boy do we chris according to a story in the wall street journal vince mcmahon is looking to get back in power in wwe it's also become a major subject among wwe talent and employees the story noted on uh 
Noted that a lawyer for former 80s referee Rita Chatterton had sent a demand for $11.75 million to McMahon's attorney, Jerry McDivitt, stemming from her claim of a raping incident in the back of McMahon's limo. The Wall Street Journal was given a copy of this letter and also were told of another one that happened at a massage parlor. But, uh, yeah, um, according to this story, Vince McMahon believes that he could have outlasted this and it would have blown over. And he does have voting control of the shares. So what odds do you give that Vince McMahon could find his way back running the show again at age 77? Uh, I mean, I think he was never going to let this go. I, I think at the time we said that this was a forced resignation, not a retirement of choice. And Vince McMahon doesn't like losing. So I think it's entirely possible that he is still, to some degree, influencing the company. Um, I, I, it seems to me like, honestly, the, the sweet spot for Vince McMahon would be to orbit as the majority shareholder still have some of your key people in the company. Like it's not lost to me that Kevin Dunn of all people still has a job. Um, you still have some of your key people in the company. The show still kind of looks like the way you want it to look. So it's not going through a massive transformation. Uh, you still get to say you're involved in the company, but you hide from public facing. Now, the problem is, is that for Vince McMahon, he could never accept that as a sweet spot. And I think all we need to do is look back to the extremely awkward final six weeks of Vince McMahon's tenure in the company, where he needed the crowd to do a thank you, Vince. He needed John Cena to come out there and, and give approbation to Vince. He had Titus O'Neil come out and basically serve as a mouthpiece when he became the goodwill <laughs> ambassador because the world needs more goodwill. And then he needed us to recognize him as he introduced the all-important 1037th edition of SmackDown. All, or it was it 1158th? I forget whatever it was. It doesn't really matter, right? It was an arbitrary number, people. And I think all of this belies the mentality of Vince McMahon, a guy who just can't let it go. And, and I think that that's just really, really consistent with this guy's entire biography. Uh, he, he, he's always been combative. Uh, I actually watched, uh, before this news broke, I just, you know, was cleaning the house earlier this week and I had a pretty good up, up until the end two hour retrospective on Vince McMahon's career. And throughout this, all of the video clips, it, like at points where he doesn't need to be combative, he is combative with people. At points where like he could just shut up, he still needs to fight. Because Vince McMahon, above all else, always needs to win. And right now, right now, Vince feels like he's losing. And that's never going to sit well. Not ever. Speaking of Vince McMahon, I think you probably may have been watching The Nine Lives of Vince McMahon on Vice, which premiered on Tuesday night. Less than 100,000 viewers. I watched it. If you, if you know Vince, it's nothing you don't already know. And there weren't a lot of people talking because it seemed to be it was only Vince Russo, our friend Brandon Thurston, 
Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer and a couple others, but a large number of people turned it down, including Chris Jericho, Jim Cornette, Eric Bischoff, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, McFoley, Jim Ross, Jerry Briscoe, Jerry Jarrett, and Ted Mann of the Wall Street Journal. So Vince is yeah, sh- the power, and nobody wants to talk about Vince either. I'll shout out what I was watching. It was uh, it's called the most important man in wrestling history by WrestlePod. Yeah, no, pretty good right up until the end. There's a like kind of nuclear bad take specifically about the allegations, which, um, I mean he he did make it some time ago, but even with the knowledge he had then, I thought it was a bad take, and it's aged really poorly. But in terms of the actual background of Vince McMahon, I got have an analysis of who the dude is. No, I, I mean, I think. You look at his bio, you can kind of anticipate what he, want, what he wants to do here. I, I this, As crazy as this sounds, and clearly this is not my opinion, I think in Vince's mind, you know, what he did isn't really that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah, I, which, which I mean, you know, given what we know, it, of course it is. I, like, like everything from just quietly taking the money out of the company's coffers to the actual nature of the allegations, so all, all of the stuff is a big deal. But... I think in, in Vince's mind, you know, you, you, you're bigger than that. And I think beyond all of that, I, maybe this is the biggest problem with his morality, right? That if you win, you're moral. Like, yeah, I, 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 yeah and, and I, no, I that, think that's that, like, pretty much a good, that's a, that's a good way to, to describe it for him. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that the ultimate morality for him is being a winner. And so if he wins, in a way, it absolves all of his sins. Winner, winner gets to write all the rules, pretty much. Yeah, and the history too, right? Yeah, which is which has been a lived experience for him, right? He won the WCW war, and so when you win, you get to write the history. You get to tell everyone what really happened, and I think that that's like really poisoned this dude's brain. Quick look. Uh oh, it looks like we lost Jeff here for just a second. So I'm gonna vamp for all of you people as we try to get jeffrey back into the mix am i back jeff is back okay there we go uh mandy rose nxt women's champion fired on december 7th after abruptly dropping the title the night before to roxanne perez on nxt deadline according to those close to the situation matt bloom informed Shawn michaels about content on rose's fan time subscription service that got more racy of late while not confirmed, there are those who believe Rose was making more money posting photos and making custom videos for subscribers that contain nudity. While WWE in the past has marketed women and was responsible for many posing nude in Playboy, that was a different era. And what they found out about crossed what they considered the allowable line given they had promised television partners and sponsors a family-friendly product. Mandy Rose was live streaming and getting tipped at one point, according to someone viewing the video. Said if she wasn't tipped $400, she would end the stream. In another, she told her streamer to message her about what they wanted to do in custom videos. There were also multiple nude shots of her and her fiance, former WWE wrestler Savvy Piscatelli, a.k.a. Tino Sabatelli, in sexual positions. When Michaels found out earlier in the week about the new content, the NXT television show was rewritten and Rose was ordered to drop the title to Perez. She was fired the next morning. Now, as you can imagine, Chris, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter had some thoughts about this, about how this was unfair to Mandy because, yes, they market her at, for sex appeal. Others 
found it justifiable because she's using WWE IP to market herself to do all these things. Not necessarily the money part, but at least the nudity. There's some things on there that are a little bit past the point of OnlyFans, should those be an OnlyFans type, uh, bordering on pornography. What say you? All right, let me give you a third course here. So, on one hand, the company is right and correct to part ways with Mandy Rose, who is making softcore pornographic content. On the other hand, where does the unfairness to Mandy come in? I believe that if we had access to the timeline of what did WWE know and when, that the story would be fairly clear that they made poor choices here to allow this to progress and that they were aware of the content of Mandy Rose's fan whatever thing, not only fans, whatever it's called, uh, fan page, I don't know. Um, and if that is the case, then you knew what she was doing. I, I, it's like the, I'm sort of reminded like the scorpion, the frog. You're marketing her as a sex pot character. Uh, every, every part of the presentation of this person that you have elected to do is marketed around the sex, which is relevant not necessarily because of the double standard, but because if you know that she is running some sort of OnlyFans type thing, it's not hard to connect the dots what the content of that would be. Okay, let me let me and, let me stop you and okay. uh, and give you another side of this. What if this was the first time they found out? Because according to this story by Dave in the Observer, it was it is believed she was fired without being given the option to take the stuff down and tone down her site. Does that change your opinion? If it's the first time, I just don't know that it is. I think like that, even that little factoid there could be, this is the first time that they've addressed it with Mandy um, or, or, and that they weren't in, or more importantly, they weren't even interested in trying to address it with Mandy. Well, according to some uh, reports, and, and this is just hearsay, so not a fact, but, Mandy knew she was out of line doing this and she was afraid of getting caught. Yeah, she had to know what she was doing here was okay. was not a good call. I mean, that, that's the other part that I think does not play very well in Mandy Rose's favor, which is a, not to get too philosophical here on a Saturday afternoon, but sort of like the the Kantian put yourself in the other person's shoes and imagine how this how you would be doing this. If Mandy Rose pretended to be WWE executive Amanda, uh, what's her last Sacramento? name? Sac yeah, Sac or, 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 oh yeah, right, yeah, whatever her name is. Um, you know, she she's executive Amanda Sacamano, and she knows about this. She would fire said employee. Like she would know, she would know that this would be a problem. She and so she of course had to know what she was doing was not a good idea when she was doing it. And I think that that uh, does not play very favorably for those who are sympathetic to it. And like, I, yeah, okay. I get that like a lot, there is this component of women's wrestling 
that is very much about sex and sexuality. That is always true. And that's going to get involved in the marketing. And some characters are going to be very heavily marketed towards that. And Mandy Rose is uh, extremely on one end of the spectrum. But that does not open up a permission structure for the people marketed very heavily on the sexuality side to then have special rules and carve outs for being able to do OnlyFans. Whereas someone who is not marketed like that, like I'm just pulling a name here on like the far extreme end, Wendy Chu, where like the rules have to be tighter on a Wendy Chu, but they're more permissive for a Mandy Rose, depending on how they're being presented on television. I don't think that that logically makes a lot of sense either. So uh, I am not particularly sympathetic to Mandy Rose here. She knew what she was doing. She's probably making good money off of this. And let's be fair about in-ring Mandy Rose. I don't think she is as bad no, as many people do. And I, I mean, I, I just as evidence for this, watching that match this week, her cartwheel into the dropkick looked pretty darn tight. Like that, that looked good. She can do stuff in the ring. Um, I, I think that she's a pretty decent act, not like an elite act, certainly not, never going to be a Hall of Fame act. She's not Trish Trash part two or anything like that. But I don't think she's trash. Uh, but, you know, is it worth fighting for either? You know, that's the other part of this. Probably not. And uh, I think I fixed my sound finally. We, uh, <laughs> um, Yeah, and, and she's not, I don't think she's going to be on AEW's radar. Definitely. I think that would be a mistake. I think she actually would bring something different to AEW. Here's the case. I think AEW could benefit from having Mandy Rose. As I said, I don't think she's as bad as a lot of people do. No, she's not. And the other way of looking at this is WWE just spent a year and a half developing her for you with like a main event presentation. She's been main event trained. Uh, like she knows how to like at, at absolute minimum slide into this AEW roster and, you know, have a faction and carry that faction. She's a decent promo. I, I actually, I think one of the things that she does pretty well is the, the talking part of it. Right. Well, we'll see where, where, what happens there. I, I actually think she may apologize and come back eventually, but she's making, I mean, she's making main roster money on the NXT roster and she was making more from this service than she was on the roster. So, I mean, she chose a, uh, to me, it's, she chose a bag. She can't have both bags. She's going to go with the one that makes her more. I'm, I, you know, uh, take what you yeah, want. And, 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 and I think like, you know, this is the other thing where I just, it, you can't knock the hustle, but you can't, cry for it either. No, you can't I, condone I, the hustle no, she, was, she was trying to she was just trying to double dip on the bags people yeah. but like she had one bag she realized she could get another bag and she was trying to hang out as long as she can i have done something like this in the past where i have had a second job where you know i'm on my way out but trying to hang out of the second job while i'm doing the other job just why not get paid twice if you can i don't you can't fault that, but when when the gravy trade comes to an end, we do not pull out the violin and start no. playing a concerto. No. Tony Khan announced on December 10th that Ring of Honor's broadcast deal would be weekly shows on a revived Honor Club subscription service. He did that announcement is that he was unable to secure either a television deal or a paying streaming deal that would be financially viable to accept. 
Relaunch service would be $9.99 per month and include weekly television shows and the full ROH library, including past pay-per-view shows. Chris, I ask you, who's going to watch this with all the free television wrestling and YouTube wrestling that's already out there? You know, I think this is going to be a really exciting product for upwards <laughs> of a thousand people, Jeffrey. Uh, <laughs> uh, they were Maybe saying 1,500. There might be a tie-in with New Japan World, and that would intrigue me. But other than that, unless I'm getting Briscoe promos every week, no thank you. Yeah, I, no, I, I mean, really what Khan would need to do is try to get a synergy with New Japan World and hope that, like, you know, yeah, th that that might help stuff. But uh, I don't know about that. As reported on the very network you're listening to on the Voices of Net Wrestling flagship show, Sasha Banks's deal is the largest Bushi Road has ever agreed to as far as a per-date deal, and it is larger than what they were paying Chris Jericho. The deal is with New Japan, but would include one date for stardom. That would be for a show that is expected in April, but the company had planned for the biggest show in its history, which will be tentatively announced on December 29th at the Stardom Sumo Hall show. They're hoping that Sasha's crossover appeal to WWE fans and Star Wars fans can help them with one major show with the idea of that show to build the perception to the public of the company. She and WWE did not reach terms for a new contract. WWE directly wouldn't say anything about her, but those in the company over recent months had said that the sides were not close on money. Uh, it, she was said to be seeking a number along the lines of Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Those internally have said she wasn't offered numbers close to that. They said that she's not seen internally as somebody who would be on top for the next five years, but it is seen as someone who could get a singles or tag team title run, but has peaked as a star aside from the reality that was acknowledged that if she would return, there would be a honeymoon period where people would go nuts for her. I think WWE is dead wrong in this case. Sasha Banks is younger than all those people. Sasha Banks is younger than Bianca Belair. She's younger than Ronda Rousey. She's younger than Becky. She's younger than Charlotte. I uh, imagine thinking that Sasha has peaked, but not Charlotte. I know. And the thing is, they did. Uh, part of this is their fault because they always chose Charlotte over Sasha time after time after time. Again, or Ronda, for that matter. I mean, Ronda peaked very quickly, yeah. much like her MMA career. She came in, you know, there there was like a little flash, and you're like, oh, this is intriguing. And then just like her combat sports career, not so much. If I'm Tony Khan, I am talking oh, to yeah. New Japan, and I am saying, hey, would you help? Uh, would you help me here? offset some of the cost to bring her in because number one, Sasha's all about the bag. If you watched that, uh, that stone cold session with her, she is all about the money. And she says, you know, I'm no longer about the, the piece of pizza or the hot dog and the soda and the thank yous and feeling grateful. I eat steak like Vince McMahon. <laughs> you know? Um, She's, I mean, we've, we've said this for months. She's the game changer for AEW. They get her. I'm, everybody, oh, what about Kota Ibushi? Man, Kota Ibushi ain't moving numbers like Sasha Banks. I'm sorry to all the Japanese wrestling fans. Now, would you be it, able to survive? It occurred to, me that, it occurred to me this week that, like, bringing in Sasha with Mandy Rose, too, would be a real <laughs> injection. No, for real. Like, really? like 
I don't think you'd actually pay that much for Mandy. Either. That's true. It, it would, yeah, no, that's, I, I mean, I think she she ends up being like, you know, kind of like a cash considerations tie in here. Okay, you can do it as long as you're not doing a quote unquote sports entertainment faction in Vegas. No, I'm not saying company. bring him in. No, no, I, I, I no, 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 I, I wouldn't bring him in as a sports entertainment faction. Right? And okay. no, we, like, look, Chris Jericho has exhausted us on this. How much, how much more? Could we possibly do well? I say this, but it's AEW. They seem to love this trope. Um, but no, I wouldn't bring them in as a sports entertainment faction. I just, I, I think that they would, both of them respectively, would be able to draw a lot of energy from that crowd. AEW made a major hire this week with Michael Manzuri as the new senior vice president and co executive producer with Tony Khan going forward. He started on this week's television. Part of the deal is that Warner Brothers Discovery and Khan had decided to change the look of the show. The plan changes will go into effect in January. Mansuri worked for WWE from 2009 until quitting the company in May 2020. He got promotion after promotion and was named vice president of global television production in 2016. He was for a time considered to be the guy who would replace Kevin Dunn with the idea that when Vince McMahon left, and nobody really leaves, whatever that would be, Dunn would eventually get replaced by Mansuri. But he didn't wait that long and became executive producer of Pat McAfee's podcast, a spectacular show, and then was hired as senior vice president and executive producer for one and had worked there for 16 months. So AEW is going to be uh, changing its look a bit and hopefully getting some of the uh, bugs out of its television production. How strong of a hire do you think this is, Chris? It remains to be seen. Uh, hopefully it will result, yes, in in <coughs> not having some of these weird little glitchy moments that they are prone to having. Yeah. I wonder if those glitchy moments will be offset by new and improved ways of doing camera coverage. Ratings are bad for most people. Uh, they, they were up for AEW this week. Uh, Raw on, on December 12th tied an all-time record for the lowest viewer total on the USA Network for the show and set a record for the lowest first hour ever. NXT, 660,000 this week. SmackDown, over 2 million. SmackDown did its best total viewer number since the September 23rd Bray Wyatt tease episode, doing a 1.36 rating. I don't have AEW's numbers, but I think it was like 960,000. It was over 900,000 this week, though. Uh, and if you watch Raw, I know we're in silly season. I know we're in football season. I know there's all sorts of excuses, but these numbers, and a lot of them are coming during the women's segments, are a bit troubling. And I don't really have a lot of, like, deep thoughts about anything on WWE's television this week. And, and... – I watched it all, but it it felt like we have very much regressed. Uh, and, you know. Or at least we're I, in a state of doing nothing while we wait for the rumble like, to come along. Yeah, but, like, I, I guess maybe for me it was that, like, wraparound poker segment thing from a couple oh, of weeks geez. ago. Where that, like, like, that was, like, the real – rubicon moment of like oh are we just we're going back it feels like we're not we we've stopped evolving and we're not we're not trying to change the product beyond the tweaks that have been made many of which have been nice quality of life improvements but still ultimately like it's like we stopped short of making walter walter again and making pete dunn pete dunn again we you know 
yes, Tegan Knox is Tegan Knox. Uh, there's just a, like a lot of half measures. Zia Lee, we still don't know what to do with. <laughs> right, yeah, just a lot of half measures going on on WWE television. Um, and it's kind of, it, you know, it's, it's, become, it's become less interesting. Uh, and and I, I don't think it has – it doesn't have a great week-to-week flow or anything. Like, if, it felt like maybe a month or two ago that they would be starting to really think about longer-form booking patterns and stuff like that. And now it almost feels like we've kind of regressed a little bit to week-to-week. No sponsor this week. That ends the news segment now. Lazy River, whatever we watched, whatever we saw, and there was a lot to watch this week because, hey, I watched both the Ring of Honor pay-per-view and NXT deadline, so there's lots to talk about there. I'm going to start off with <laughs> something that that uh, that made me laugh until I cried, and I shouldn't laugh this hard at these days, but Chris, did you watch SmackDown last night? Yes. You know, not every big guy has to be Bam Bam Bigelow, and God bless Top Dollar. <laughs> he points to the sky. He runs the ropes. He goes to dive over the top ropes. Doesn't quite make it. <laughs> Was not hurt, luckily, but did a cartwheel over the ropes pretty much. Not a cartwheel, but, you know, he hits the top ropes and just kind of does that rope flip thing. He lands on his feet. Everybody sells for him. And he gets high fives all the way around. <laughs> Look, what big guys I've be said big it before. guys? <laughs> I've said it. No, here's the thing with Top Dollar, though. He's unsafe at any speed. He's like that Ralph Nader book. Uh, that 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 when he's doing power moves, he is also <laughs> dangerous. So I, I don't. I I am very down on top dollar. Hold on. Would you rather take a choke slam or a dive from top dollar? From, oh boy, that is actually <laughs> no. I'm going okay. I'm going with the dive because there's a decent chance he doesn't get to me. The choke slam, <laughs> I am very much worried about that angle just like accordioning my neck and folding me up like a like a roll of quarters. <laughs> uh, I will go uh, after you do one because uh, I am going to talk a little Ring of Honor. I'm not sure you watched it. I, I did not watch Ring of okay. Honor. Um, no, I, I did not watch Ring of Honor. I, I guess we can... Man, where do I want to start here? Uh, this is a tough one. I guess we can do deadline. I guess okay. we can go into we can go into a little bit of deadline here. Breaker and Cruz never really got to speed for me. Uh, looking at the match runtime here at fourteen minutes, I just man, I, in my head, these guys just had a lot more. Like, like there was going to be more to this, and and I, I just didn't really feel like it got. It wasn't bad, but it, it didn't. It, it was it, it was too predictable. It right? wasn't it was little- bad, but at that moment where they did the whole he's going into his head thing and his eyes bugged out, I flipped off. I just I just couldn't I I, I stopped paying attention to the match. And I don't know why they chose that as a it story. Yield, it didn't yield anything. No, was my thing. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's fine to have this match be the point that heel turns Apollo Cruz. I'd be absolutely on board with that. He he realizes, you know, the standard Apollo strategy isn't going to be enough. He's going to have to go to the dark side. He tries to go to the dark side, and even then he comes up short. And now we continue the cruise story. But we didn't really even get that and just kind of moved moved to the finish. Um, and, like, 
that's kind of how I felt about the whole show. Like a lot of this stuff was, you know, well within what I'd call like the passable, like, you know, not bad, totally not offensive in any way, but like something kept it from really kind of snapping into uh, that, that next level for me. Everything other than, of course, Aladon on fire, which was just gone. Oh, good lord! That that was just a dumpster fire. You couldn't save that. The ref with the goo. I just, I was like, man, they built up this brand so well, and they just, they're going back to main roster stuff. Now, now that being said, I thought the Iron Survivor matches and the tag team matches over delivered. I thought uh, uh, the women's the women's iron survivor was a lot of fun and i owe an apology i mock her a lot because the character's so dumb but kiana james brought it in that match she is a brick crap house compared to the other women in that match and she's throwing them around and she's just take she's she's overselling a bit because her selling's not necessarily up to that pro level yet she's playing to the back of the room but she was selling quite well, I thought, for, for her level. And, you know, and the story they told was pretty fantastic. Of course, Roxanne Perez is the one. I mean, she, she's fantastic. I, I love the story of Cora J trying to screw her at every moment. Um, that's going to be a fun few to watch. And then the men, um, you, you know, I thought they were going to do the story that they didn't do, but the story that they did was perfectly fine. And I thought everybody, like, I loved the little shot of, like, Axiom deciding to beat up McDonough in the penalty box. I, I don't know what that, I mean, the little things, this could have been overscripted and overproduced, but it didn't feel that way. Maybe with the exception of everybody having to chase Grayson Waller as opposed to trying to get a pin on somebody else. But I thought those were good. Yes, then... right, right. That was that was the only, like, psychology mistake. I would have had them all try to chase after Waller and then simultaneously realize, no, 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 we actually could just fight each other. Yeah, um, yeah right, which, which is also a good way to sort of turn the tables on the, on the heel in the, oh, I'm just going to run away sort of approach to this. Because, like, that actually doesn't solve his problems. And... The, the this mistake there, I thought at the end was, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'll just run away. No, 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 that actually doesn't work in this match, if you think about it. Um, I thought, as well on the men's match, Joe Gacy's yes. showcase spots were quite impressive. Well, uh, fire, I saw, fiery babyface Joe Gacy was fantastic, I thought. I, I saw a lot in Joe Gacy in this match that I had not heretofore seen. And he was definitely the sort of standout performer for me of like, I'm like, oh, Joe Gacy. I get it. This is, there's a thing here with this guy. I see it. And then the new day and pretty deadly was nothing but fun. I mean, <laughs> the quadruple Eddie spot <laughs> where the referee just looks at everybody and like all of you are being ridiculous. Get up. I know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> uh, they work very, very well together. It was uh, said in an interview by somebody that uh, new days, goal here is to help elevate pretty deadly to another level we'll see how that goes in the feud but that match itself was nothing but fun yeah that being said on wednesday one of the cringiest parts of wednesday's nxt show was the new day coming out there and demanding that people from another country say the american pledge of allegiance You could have a title shot if you say the Pledge of Allegiance. That was a heel move right there, but at the same time. 
really, really bad, right? Like it's it's like asking somebody to say a prayer of a denomination you know they aren't. Well, yeah, but you got the two the two guys from the bar are of course country redneck hillbillies who will know this, and the two Brits will not know the Pledge of Allegiance. So I, I viewed it as a less. I, it was. See, I, didn't, I didn't think. It, I didn't think it was a pop quiz. I thought they knew the Pledge of Allegiance, like, and, and the way that they were selling it, it was more that the Pledge of Allegiance was so anathema to these deeply British men that that, that they wouldn't say it. It was, it was sort of defile them. I, I don't think. Yeah, that that's the other issue. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think pretty deadly know the Pledge of Allegiance. I just don't. <laughs> Why not? They're in America, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what, we lose, did we lose a war or something? Chris, so turns, Chris turns suddenly patriotic. What happened there? Where are we going next? Uh, I am going to go to Ring of Honor Final Battle. My match mm-hmm. of the year was on this show, Chris. The Briscoes versus FTR in a double dog collar chain match is everything I want in professional wrestling. When they tell you it would fit at home with such and such event of years past, they mean it. This came straight out of Starcade 84 85. Blood everywhere, guys fighting for their lives. It's the Briscoes, so they're gonna t- they're gonna bump like mad. Cash and Dax were awesome in this match. It's everything I wanted wrestling, Chris. I just want bad men doing bad things, and a lot of hate, and for it to be in a blow off match where you feel like the two guys working or the the two teams working with each other don't really like each other. Yes, there's quote unquote mutual respect, but at the same time, do you do you really like them? Or do you just respect them? And this one, this this is my favorite match of the year. I don't think I'm going to, I mean, I loved the first match on Mania Weekend. It was fantastic as a wrestling match, but this was a fight. And I adored this match, Chris. It was fantastic. Go out of your way to see this. Um, it baffles me why Tony Khan isn't trying to present this stuff on his television more. Not like the necessarily the blood and guts component of this, but like, these are the storylines that seem to really resonate with people. I've heard nothing but good reviews on this match all, all week. And yet it's an off the beaten path match. Like at the, by which I mean the phrase go out of your way to see this is associated with this match, which yes. belies the fact that it's not conveniently viewable. <laughs> That's dumb. And they don't have guys who can cut promos like the Briscoes. I'm sorry. But that's part of it. The build is always part of it. And they're, they're two guys who you believe would live and die for these belts, but also hate anybody who comes into their path. And I just, yeah. Um, another match that over-delivered, I thought, Athena and Mercedes Martinez was, I mean, other than the end. The end was dumb. It was, uh, she takes a turnbuckle pad off and then eventually drop kicks Mercedes into the exposed turnbuckle. The referee has done nothing to try and fix the turnbuckle after she took off the pad, but the match itself was uh, a lot of forearm shivers to the face, which I enjoyed. I mean, it was a little strong, styly. It was pretty darn good, but the, the entire card 
was good. I won't say it was great, but those two matches to me stood out more than than any others. Uh, your turn, Chris. Okay. All right. Let's move to SmackDown. Not a ton on SmackDown to talk about, uh, in my opinion, uh, in the ring, other than obviously we're going to get a big return of John Cena next week. And we finished off with a bloodline segment. It, this, this is not like, this is not one of the best bloodline segments for me. No. I, I, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it in the sense that there's clearly the homage to the Godfather. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to make him today. Like Sammy Uso is the Joe Pesci character. Uh, you're, you're, no, mixing so up, you're, you're mixing up your, good fellas. Your, your yes, good fellas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's good fellas. Yeah. No, they, they were doing a little bit of a good fellas thing here, but I, I also, for me, Sammy saying he's my only friend or I'm his only friend didn't really work as like a a moment because Although that is a godfather two moment if you think about fredo saying yeah johnny Ole johnny ola took me to this place when i was here last time and michael didn't know at the time but yeah it, it didn't work for me either but go ahead no no it just didn't work for me because we've never really seen anything to like, like, why would sammy still consider kevin to be his friend i think it was supposed to be a verbal slip and it couldn't come out that way yeah, no, I no, it, it felt no, it, 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 right. It was supposed to be like a, it felt more like a revealing of psychology thing, and there's just it, it's an unearned revelation of yes. psychology. Yeah, it's an unearned revelation. Yeah, uh, so that, I I didn't think that worked. That that was, I mean, look, you know, like they're not Shakespeare. This is not, but like normally these these actually work pretty well. Um, and, and this I didn't think landed so well. Other than uh, one thing that does seem clear, I mean. And this is where I think they sort of tipped the hand. Is that like they're already turning on Sammy? Yeah. Uh, that yeah, yeah, like, like they, they they're turning on Sammy like immediately. And I think there really should have been a grace period where he was the golden child. It feels like they they finally scripted this out and said we don't have enough time. We need to get this done before the rumble. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. I, but no, we missed the really important part here where Sammy for like a month needed to be like the golden god yes. of the bloodline. He needed to be yeah, like, truly accepted and almost to the point where he's trying to take more power in the bloodline. Right, right. No, no. We need an Icarus thing where he fl- where he flies too high. Like there's right. a there's a night where he's tagging with Roman and they're cheering him more than Roman, and that's finally what pisses off Roman. Uh what do we think of the uh I don't know if we talked about this, but it looks like they're doing a uh, reboot of Lacey Evans back to what we thought she should be when she was first brought up to the main roster. I mean, I, I think it's it's incredibly exciting to see Lacey Evans 5.0, and I can't wait for the next. I can't wait to talk about late, the next. It? It's too late, It's too late to salvage. No, yeah, yeah. La- La- Lacey Evans is Lex Luger. We, we, yes. We've done it too many times. Yeah. So is Zia Lee in some ways, because she's face, she's heel, she's face, she's heel. Right, right. And, and I really, yes, we're both these people, like, dynamo, top, you know, build the roster around them types. No, 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 no. no. But like both of them had something. Zaylee so, was a little dangerous with the kicks, right? But like both of them had something, and I, I just I yeah. think we've missed the boat with both of them. Uh, I am pleased on Raw that Akira Tozawa got some time to be Akira Tozawa again, rather than bad Japanese stereotype. Oh yeah, God! Like his his fire up spots are so great, and, and it's 
he's someone who I the crowd is going to immediately they, they always do and this was no exception. He he just has a style of offense and with the facials and everything too, real expressive uh, it, and just like an intensity to the way he does stuff. It, it, it's not like the same sort of like physicality of Shabbat, but there's just like something very like you, you, a whole of body motion when he is doing things that is very energizing. Uh, I, I would love to see them do more with him. Um, and I think, honestly, him being aligned with the Street Profits is a good thing as opposed to go on your own and get the ricochet treatment. Yeah. Uh, anything else from WWE? Oh, boy. Um you know, no, if, if anything, the notable thing on WWE, it, okay, I know, I do have one more thing on WWE. Oh, Kevin Owens yeah. and Elias had me in tears with that backstage segment. <laughs> uh, wrapping around, uh, like, all of the babyface and heel stuff into a full bit. Owens is just, he's just so funny. His comedic timing is is absolute aces. Uh, I, I enjoyed that was the best segment of the best moment on Raw was that backstage interaction. All right, hold on, hold on, Elias. hold on. What was funnier? That segment or Dominic Mysterio's acting after getting misted? No, no, that segment. Because, that segment. Because because Dominic ain't Olivier. Let's put it that way. <laughs> You know how I feel about the Mysterio family. Yeah, uh, these these are humans. These are humans. These are robots who, pretending to be humans. That's who they are. No, no, yeah. no, no. These are humans bringing in an exceptional amount of acting ability to a show that doesn't deserve. <laughs> this is actually, what I was trying to say, but we can go with what you said too. That's fine. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna watch. I'm watching it. Oh, uh, he's taking the mist. I, I mean. It's I mean, devastating. In the, in the medical. Patients there. Yes, yeah, I mean, he probably needed to go to a local hospital. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I've been misted. He's staying in the trainer's yeah. room. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I know. Uh, and, and a doctor would, would have to then do toxicology on that to figure out what substance is in this poor man's eyes. I'm sure Rio was worried sick. So we have movement, at least, on Bray Wyatt. We saw Uncle Howdy on Friday. We've also been seeing Alexa Bliss acting up, but we've also seen Asuka acting up. Is Alexa Bliss a red herring and it's just going to be Asuka or is it going to be both of them? I think it ends up being both of them. And I also don't think they know what the hell they're doing. Because if you remember when they brought out Bray Wyatt 3.5 or whatever iteration this is, We had, like, the makings of an Alice in Wonderland-like faction, and Uncle Howdy was supposed to be the Mad Hatter stand-in, and now he's just turned into Howdy Doody, only scary. And, uh, I mean, Uncle Howdy is a terrible character. Uh, you know. What? No, I want yeah. to belt him. I want to give him the Intercontinental title. Uh, you know, you, honestly, <laughs> no, no, no. You turn me on this. I oh, think no. ultimately, <laughs> no, no, no. Ultimately, Uncle Howdy should be the one to dismantle the bloodline. <laughs> I think that that's the only thing that can narratively satisfy everything. Uh, Person pulling Sammy Zane's strings is actually Howdy. Yeah. So no, uh, that leaves us with Winter is Coming. 
How do we feel about the Jericho thing? The Action Andretti thing. Um, Action Andretti, yeah. You know. Okay, go ahead. Here's, here's what worked, or I think what was real critical about that. Insofar as it worked, it worked because people did not think Andretti was going to get the win. They thought he was going to get like a courtesy spot, like kicking out of the, the code breaker. And even that was not for certain. Like it, it was entirely plausible that Jericho could have won off of that code breaker. And when he kicked out of that going into the commercial break, you know, that got the crowd into it. I thought the, the reaction was really good and organic. You know, him beating Jericho, what did that do is sort of my question. And, and then the other thing I was thinking about was, do you remember the time where Jack Perry had a match <laughs> with Chris Jericho? Yes. And the whole thing is, can you last in the ring against Chris Jericho? And here comes Jobby Jobberson. And he ends up pinning Jericho. What does that say about Jack Perry's experience? That was my big hang up with it. It's not that I didn't like action and Dreddy. He's fine. But this was a move that you need to do with he one is of the just fine. He is just fine. He is a he is a skilled, well-coordinated young wrestler who does the aerial young stuff. wrestler in his yes. 20s create a wrestler aerial stuff. Yes, it, it, it is a fine, perfectly cromulent wrestler, but there's yes. nothing notable about the man. Yes, this is the type of win that you needed to give to Perry. Ricky Starks, maybe, maybe Sammy, maybe you know, on the Darby, Orange Cassidy, hell, or even, even a young unknown wrestler about, who has an established character. Andretti's just like he's not a, a, a well-formed character. He rem, he looks and reminds me of a creative wrestler I had in my teenage years called Jack Flash, who was like the most generic like yeah guy like like I, you know I did some high moves and stuff. No Takeshita could have used this win, yes. to be honest with you. you, you I, I mean, if you're going to have Jericho, quote-unquote, lose to a jobber, I, I, you want them a little less known than, like, Takeshka is, is the only reason why I'm, like, trying to come up with, you know, a name or whatever. But, yeah, you know, some young uh, – no, not Warhorse, obviously. Um, but, like, some young, relatively unknown, established character who you want to start pushing. Yes. I don't think Andretti's the guy for that. No, I didn't think so either. Um, you know, the story about Chris having a slump, I, I get that. Is he going to see the fear? And I know everybody else had it because I was on Twitter after it happened. Is that, oh, Jericho just gets his win back next week. Now, I thought it would have been interesting if Jericho challenges him again next week and loses and then offers a title or offers a contract if he can win. But he was already signed this past week after the win. So that ruins it. Because I would have had Jericho then kick him in the nuts and then win. <laughs> well, and that's also the problem with him winning cleanly over Jericho versus winning via disqualification or a countout is that narratively, yeah, if someone comes in and beats Chris Jericho, the first AEW champion, they should be getting offered a contract. Yes. Yeah, it should be Sean Bean against MJF. Right, right. No, it it should be a big deal. Um, they 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 had a model for this. Yeah, you 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 stole it from me right there. Sean Dean and MJF is a much clearer model for how this should have went than what they did here with Action Andretti. I view this more as a 
teachable moment for booking rather than like a, a triumph or you know a great moment uh what did you think of mjf and starks Boy, I thought the mistake was making this for the title and the diamond ring. I yeah. think that this should have just been for the diamond ring because then that would have actually offered some intrigue that Starks could have won. I just think it, it opens a lot more interesting stories. I think the match, it, there were some real issues getting MJF up for old Ricky. Uh, and I think like a lot of those, like, what were supposed to be Rochambeau moments or Powerbomb moments or whatever they were supposed to be, like those key moments just didn't quite happen the way they needed to. Uh, they, they were unfortunately very um, highly profiled, botchy-looking spots. And, you know, I, I I think the kick to the ball spot, too, just was very uninspired. I didn't think the, I didn't think the finish of this match was, uh, was particularly uh, well thought out or done in a way that made... Like, Ricky should have at least had MJF's first cheat attempt covered. Right. Right. And, and, and then and then MJF gets him with the second one. So because he actually Starks is, wearing... is Starks is still kind of heelish, even in his baby right. persona. He should know these things are coming. Well, yeah, and, and you know, yeah, he's it's like he's street smart, right? So like yeah. he should have had a cup on, and then MJF like you know gouges him in the eyes or something like that. Um, I I, I just I didn't think that. I didn't think that enough happened in this match to really help Starks. Yeah, the thing I took heat for, and probably still am a little bit from certain people, I hated this Kenny Omega promo after the after the six-man because it almost felt like he was phoning it in as opposed to being angry about the hammer spot or being angry that they were, all right, if you want to use the hammer... <laughs> let's just use uh, all the weapons and he's starting to cut it's it all the guys that left yeah 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 no I, my my whole thing and that's how i felt about that match too is that it was just it was campy yes. i i get what they're referencing i too have watched basketball in the aughts i'm familiar with the paul pierce running back to the uh running back to the hardwood off of the wheelchair uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I know what they're trying to do here. Injury angle down 3-1, uh, dead triangle blows a lead. Blah, I didn't blah. feel like he was really injured when he was doing the walk back either. It was, it was, it was so turned up to 11 and campy and you're just like, oh my God, really? They're just, they're just it's almost like they're mocking this stuff. Yeah. Me. Yeah. No, like, like what they're doing right now is like some weird parody of a best of seven series. Yes. Like in the NBA or whatever. And in fact, a lot of people find the narrative structure of a best of seven series in both baseball and the NBA to be deeply satisfying. People like stories over seven panels. Uh, and and I, they're not necessarily looking for a rip on it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't understand this beat. I, I expected escalating, uh, escalating matches in terms of, okay, tired of this hammer let's do a no dq i expected the ladder match in 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 uh match seven which is going to happen at the kia or do an actual injury do an actual yes. freaking injury with the hammer that's what it's there for take the out nick take yes. him out if you wanted to yeah, that's where it becomes interesting how do omega and matt figure it out and like you know you have callus like teasing oh, i'll find a third guy or you know like you know 
that's where the twist I think actually comes in is you have one of the Bucks go down. And then take and then put Nakazawa in there. They have no, that would actually be very they have to carry Cutler to the victory. Like you know, it's it's like bringing in the bench guy. Yeah, you have have to start the bench player. He's the Brian Scalabrini of the young bucks. And they bring him in, and yeah, the Jack Haley of the Lakers at the time. Yeah, one of those types of deals. Uh, Yeah, I just I, I was watching the match, it was fine, it was technically sound as they say and you know the flippy dudes were good but at the same time i'm just like i'm watching the bucks i'm watching omega and i'm just like these guys are like almost going at 50 percent because they don't feel it emotionally and it took me out of the match to be honest with you oh and like let's talk about penta shall we sure is there anyone who has become more underwhelming over the last five years than Penta? Uh, no, because he was no, a, right. he was a he, vicious monster to be feared. A vicious monster to be feared. No, like years ago on my VPW two cartridge, I made Penta because, like, he this is like his peak Lucha Underground, you know, era. He was devastating. He was like a combination of like several things. There was like martial arts to his offense. There was high flying stuff in his offense. And then there was just really savage suplexes and holds and stuff in his offense. And now it's just Cero Miedo and he slaps you in the chest. And it's like three spots. He is he is a WWE character. And it'll just always baffle me why he didn't just sign the WWE contract because all he wants to do is have a WWE version of his match. Anyways, mm-hmm. he's not trying to make art people. <laughs> yeah. He wants to, he wants to do his, uh, he wants to do his catchphrases. He wants to do the glove spot and he wants to do a, uh, somersault and let his driver. brother do any of the work. Right. Yeah, like like that's, that's, the, that's the other genius of this is he outsourced any real work that he needs to do to his brother. <laughs> No, that's, that's basically true, but yeah, uh, I have nothing else in my lazy river. I don't know that I, I have much else either. This was a very sort of a ho-hum week of, of wrestling otherwise. Yeah. Uh, go out of your way to watch the two uh, pay-per-views. I, I think they were both pretty good, if if, not, if anybody hasn't. Uh, but if you're going to watch one match this week, go watch the Briscoes and FTR just absolutely tear each other apart. It, it was uh, It was a lot of fun. But this has been Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me on the Twitter at Crap Game 13. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We're part of the Voices Wrestling Podcasting Network. Chris doesn't do Twitter anymore, but he does do Instagram. He's going to tell you about that now. Yeah, you can go and follow me on Instagram. If you're interested in guitar lessons, you can get those. Uh, go to Instagram.com slash Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V, Dr. Nove on the Instagram. You can keep up with all my musical happenings. Uh, there's going to be a lot of music dropping in the early part of 23. So keep up with me. Uh, a lot of stuff's on the horizon in terms of musical stuff. Cause I've been, as Jeff's aware, writing up a storm over the last few months here. Yes. And we'll see you next week.
Hi, my name is Tyler Fornis, and I am the co-host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hunky here on the Voice Wrestling Podcasting Network. Every week, my co-host Fred Moreland and I discuss all the happenings of all elite wrestling and everything going on in the universe of Tony Khan. We talk about Dynamite, we talk about Rampage, and we will talk about Collision when the time comes as well, along with all the appearances outside of AEW from all the best talents in all elite wrestling. This is one of the more cohesive wrestling companies in the entire world, and we discuss every intricacy about it, including the unique booking of Tony Khan that is both a huge positive and a major detriment. Check us out every single Thursday here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.